Blog Talk Radio. Mark Wiesel, President. Today, we are ready to rock and roll. Let me make sure I got Mr. Rick Riggin with us. Rick, are you with us, sir? Maybe. Rick, are you with us? Well, it's going to be one of those days, the end of the year, with us is not. I will tell you what. We will. <laughs> well, let's try this again. Rick, are you with us? Did you have me on mute? I it was not connecting correctly. I don't know. I do not know what happened. It's the end of 2018. We're gonna get we're gonna get right into to this here in just a moment. But I wanted to make sure that that we had had you with us. And Rick, I see that you text me, so we're good to go. We're gonna you and I are gonna talk about what's happened in 2018 in college sports and sports, and uh, also uh, at the uh, at the at the bottom of the hour here, uh, Matt Hicks is going to be joining us uh, as well. Going to be talking about some uh, continue on about the uh, 2018 um, sports, but also uh, we're going to be talking about this huge game going on tomorrow. Maybe you've heard about it: the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. Really, it does not get any better than this for the play-in position, if you will. And unfortunately, uh, the playoffs don't start today. But if they did start today, the Indianapolis Colts would be in. So we're going to be talking about that, and then we're going to continue on our our conversation, certainly some of the best of the best of 2018 and the NFL, and then also Mo from the BS Sports Show. And hopefully, Walt Ferber joins us sometime around the 9.30 hour to talk some college hoops. So we got we got a full plate on the last day of the year, Mr. Rick. That sounds pretty good to me. Uh, don't forget, <laughs> though, I mean, the, the actual college football playoff is today. I mean, you're not even bringing that up. Just going to throw that out there. No, That's probably I, a bigger, I, I, as big as a it, topic it, as the uh, Tennessee Titans and the uh, it is. It is a very which, big which, topic. And, and which I was is not actually, even better. 
Yeah, you call that a play-in game, but that's not a play-in game at all. That's a playoff game, my friend. That's, <laughs> all, that's not a play. That's a playoff it, game. It, it absolutely is. It, 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 it's, it's on my. It was on my radar, sir. It's what they call a tease. <laughs> my name. My name's Tom Marquez. Nine one seven eighty nine eight five one six is our digits. Myself and Rick Riggin. We'll be right back to get things kicked off for the final time in twenty eighteen. I can hear you. <laughs> I got a text coming your way. Talk about bad air. I don't know what's going on. The last show of the season. Last show of the year. That's what's going on. Rick, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I don't know what's going on. We were supposed to go to a break, and it, something's not clicking on all cylinders, so we're just going to keep going. We're just going <laughs> to – we were supposed to go to a break, so welcome back uh, the, the uh, dead airspace, if you will. What is going on today? I don't know. Gremlins or something going to sabotage our last show of the, se- of the year. So, are you there? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. You just cut in and out. Yeah, we've got some issues here. I'm trying to resolve them as we speak, sir. So, we'll, let's just go ahead and get into. Obviously, as we know about the college uh, uh, football uh, playoff games as as you, as you mentioned earlier certainly a big game against Alabama and Oklahoma we'll get let's get into that before we get into the uh the best of 2018 Rick I'm going to let you just uh, take the helm here for just a minute and talk with us a little bit about uh what the hell does does uh I I think that I still have one of those old uh time computers I don't I don't, I don't know on here what the hell is a 504 gateway timeout what the heck have I reached some sort of a... Uh, it, yeah, it's some kind of computer error. Uh, you can Google what the 504 error means, and it, it will actually tell you. Right? Uh, yeah, just, if you get on your phone and Google what that error is, it'll tell you. But it's, a, it's a communication error with your computer. Like, we might not even well, be live on the air right now. I know we could talk to each other, but maybe nobody can actually hear us. You know well, what I mean? We're just going to assume <laughs> that they can. Um so uh, you go ahead and talk a little bit about Oklahoma and Alabama, and I'll try to work things out my hand. Go ahead, sir. All right. Well, uh, thanks for putting, on the, putting me on the spot here, but uh, I'll it do my best. It was not planned. It was not planned, sir. It was not planned. Oh, this is going to be one of those days. Go ahead. So my thoughts for this game really is, uh, you know, how great Alabama's been since Saban's been there and how great they've been this year. Uh, We know how explosive on offense Oklahoma is. But can Oklahoma's defense do enough to stay in this game against 
Tua in that offense against Alabama. Personally, I don't think so. I think uh, Oklahoma can play some offense, maybe keep up Bama for a while, make the game kind of close in the first half. Uh, I think Bama's going to run away in the second half, and I think it's all going to have something to do with uh, Kyler Murray winning the Heisman instead of Tua. Now, that's going to be my thoughts for that game. Did you get a fix yet, Tom? I'm still working on it. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know what's what's happening here. So I'm going to have you just to continue to talk. I'm going to have to do a manual reboot. So you just go ahead and continue to talk. And when you hear my voice well, again, I should have everything fixed. So you just talk. If you're rebooting, if you're rebooting, you're rebooting your computer, then that's going to cut the show completely off. I'm not rebooting my computer. I'm re- rebooting something else. So just continue to talk. Oh, gotcha. All right. Yeah, but that game doesn't really hold a candle to the uh, Notre Dame-Clemson game, by the way. And I think uh, Notre Dame really matches up with Clemson a, a lot better than they would if they played against Alabama, maybe even matched up better with Clemson than if they played against Oklahoma just because of the uh, the speed of Oklahoma and how all-around great Alabama is. I think Notre Dame actually matches up with Clemson pretty well. Clemson is a very fast team, very deep at all positions. So it's going to be a tough matchup for Notre Dame, too. If you listened to the show before, you know I'm a big Irish homer. So this is a game I really want to talk about. Uh, Notre Dame is wanting to establish the run in this game. And I, me personally, I do not think that is going to happen. Usually you want to want to establish the run because that opens up the pass play, your pass plays, your passing game. Uh, Notre Dame is going to have to do the opposite of that in this uh, matchup. They're actually going to have to hit some deep plays in the passing game, get the passing game going to set up the run game. Clemson is so great on defense, and even without Dexter Lawrence now, who's uh, suspended for this game, uh, they, I don't think it's going to have a big impact on this game. Clemson is so deep and so great on defense. Notre Dame is going to have to do the opposite of what they want to do, which is run the ball. They're going to pass. And they have one of the best passers in the country. So statistically, Ian Book is over a – that still might be the best in college football. Uh, they had the quarterback to do it. They had the weapons to do it. But can they move the ball through the air against that defense against Clemson? They're going to have to if they want to run the ball and uh, stay in this game. They're a two-touchdown underdog, unfortunately. You know, and it doesn't sit well with me. But if they can hit some passing pass plays, uh, they got a pretty good chance in this game. And without the, uh, I'm sorry if you're listening to this uh, this uh, this show today. Without the talking points, all the te- technical difficulties, it's hard to get into the flow. So we do apologize for that. Uh, hopefully he can get things rebooted here quickly and we can get the show going because, you know, he, Tom's the host. He has all the show notes in front of him. He knows what needs to talk about next, the show flowing. Uh, I'm just all right, Rick, here. I'm back. All right, here we go. I'm back, <laughs> Can you hear me now? Hey. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> all right, here's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to take that forgotten break and come back and re- I think I've got it fixed, so stand by. Put your pinky, bring the mom. 
National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? Welcome back to the balance. I think I got a fix, Rick. Are you still with us, sir? I am. I was getting ready to send you a text. That music you just played is nothing but static. I'm glad you told me that. So we'll just uh, stop touching things for a little bit here. Let's just get back into the show here. I know I know. today is the last show of 2018. Let's talk a little bit about some New Year's resolutions. Rick, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Come on. you got to have some. Uh, 
I don't really make resolutions, man. I just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm pretty happy. Just keep doing what you're doing. I just drink more beer and gain more weight. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we all just be honest with ourselves and say that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to drink more right. alcohol, eat more unhealthy food, uh, do everything that we should not do for ourselves. Why do we make these false promises uh, to ourselves at the end of the year of every year. I, I have no idea. Obviously, we've got a couple more days before 2019 uh, rolls in. You know, I'd like to see a lot of uh, different health changes. I could probably get healthier, uh, that's for sure. There's, uh, you know, things on the horizon um, that I like to see come being bared, I guess. <laughs> and certainly, uh, we, we hope that uh, the balance will be a much better show uh, going in our first show in 2019, then our last show in 2018. Talk a little bit about some of your um, uh, top 2018 moments, if you will. If you guys have anything that you want to talk about, 917-889-8516 is our digits. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of use your list right now, uh, Rick. We'll just kind of go uh, down from that. Obviously, I know you talked a little bit about Tua here uh, in today's game against Oklahoma. Uh, I think everybody would like to see Alabama get swept underneath the rug by Oklahoma. Uh, Nick, Nick Saban does a very good job of playing mind games, not only with his, with his team, but with the media. Um, you know, says everybody over overrates us. Uh, nobody really respects us. That is a bunch of hogwash, if you can't see through that. But nonetheless, one of the best moments of 2018 uh, was uh, Tua comes into the second half and, and wins, um, wins a national title. Let's talk about that. Because if you, if you, if you look, at, look at it, uh, I mean, again, I, I'm going to go back to looking at just the Heisman candidates and looking at the plays – the games that have happened post Heisman Trophy, uh, you've got to look at things that still support my argument that the Heisman Trophy should happen after all of the college uh, regular season college football action is done. But nonetheless, let's talk a little bit about Tua. Uh, obviously, huge, huge beast uh, for Alabama. Let's talk a little bit about that moment last year in 2018. Well, I mean, or this year, 2018. Saw, but you know what I mean. Last, last championship. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, if I could just, uh, if there's any Star Wars nerds listening right now, I want to play to you a little bit because really, it, it's like the Force, and it's like everything in Star Wars, where two in that game came in the second half because Jalen Hurts uh, just couldn't pass the ball, and he brings Alabama back, and they win the game in overtime. And where Star Wars comes in is everything goes full circle because of the force, everything is even. Uh, we saw in the SEC championship game, you know, the last game of the season for Alabama this year, and we're still talking 2018, uh, Tua goes down at halftime. Jalen Hurts comes in the second half and brings Alabama back against Georgia. So everything's come full circle, you know, uh, with, that, with Alabama. They had two great quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I don't really have thoughts, really, you know, about Tua coming in and winning that national championship game. I thought it was really cool for a freshman to do it. Uh, I, I found myself rooting for him when I was watching that game back in January, as much as that kills me to say, rooting for Alabama. Just because he was a fresh, a true freshman coming in in that spot and getting the job done, I thought it was really cool. Uh, and we've even talked before this, this year, and Tom still has no idea what I'm talking about. But Tua is the contra for Alabama. 
Uh, when he's in the game, <laughs> they they are on, they are on a different level, you know. So, but we saw Jalen do the same thing against in the SEC championship game against Georgia. Bought him back, and they were down by by a couple of scores and came back and won. So it's like Star Wars, Alabama. It's like the Force. Everything is even. It's all full full circle. May may the force be with you. And so we'll we'll see what happens. And I don't think that anybody is going to rule out Alabama until Alabama has ruled out themselves. Let's talk a little bit about the Music City Bowl yesterday. Auburn comes in and just stomps Purdue. And not really a big surprise there. I don't think anybody really thought that Purdue could beat Auburn. But I was really kind of uh, looking at, at where they came out. One of the big highlights that we wanted to talk about uh, from 2018 is the slacking that Purdue put on Ohio State. Certainly two different games than what we saw yesterday in the Auburn, Auburn against Auburn in the Music City Bowl down in Nashville. Another great game there. Uh, two great games there uh, this weekend, not too far from you. Talk with us a little bit about Auburn just coming in and just schooling and owning the Purdue Bullermakers. Yeah, I think a week or two ago we actually talked about this matchup coming up. I think I actually picked Purdue because maybe I was on this uh, hangover maybe from that Ohio State game and how great Purdue looked. And uh, Jeff Brom, their head coach, how great of a head coach he is. Louisville it was really pursuing him to be the head coach there, and he picks to stay at Purdue. And uh, with Purdue, uh, you have the Tyler Trent, uh, you know, with the – yeah, he's battling his illness, his fight with cancer and everything. And that is really like the second half of the season for Purdue. Uh, Purdue football has had a different feel uh, with Tyler Trent being involved. It, it, as if, I don't know if it's a great story, if that's the right words. Uh, you know, it, it's a really touching, heartwarming story. Uh, if we're kind of all in the fight together, Tyler Trent, while he goes through a, he's, his battle with a, with his sickness. Uh but Purdue has just been a different team since uh, that Ohio State game and Tyler Trent being there and supporting the, the Bullermakers through through all that. And, you know, the whole country has got behind, like, Tyler Trent and Purdue, I think, in, in a way, uh, because of his fight. So, to me, I, I thought Purdue would show up in the Music City Bowl, and I, I was way wrong about that. But I think as a little bit of that hangover I was feeling, too, and just being a Tyler Trent's corner, I was really pulling for uh, Purdue. Well, let's look ahead at, at Purdue for a moment going into 2019. He decides that he's going to stay there uh, with the Purdue Boilermakers. So we, we saw in his surging uh, uh, Purdue Boilermakers squad at the beginning of the year. I think we saw a tale of two different cities. And, and also we, we look at IU, obviously, any time that we, we – we talk about Purdue. We want to talk about IU. Uh, the only reason that Purdue was in a bowl game was because they beat IU and had that happen the other way around in the in the old Oaken bucket, uh, which a lot of people thought that I, IU could have beat Purdue. So maybe we're, we're starting to see a turnaround, if you will, between these two squads. But let's look ahead into the 2019. What does Ron got to do to get the Purdue Boilermakers back on the tracks? No pun intended. Well, he's they can't be an eight and four team. Uh, you know, that, that that can only go for so long and then the fans get restless. They're going to, have to be a ten win team. Maybe make a New Year's six bowl. Maybe it's not that extreme. But they can't be a, an eight and four team. They definitely cannot get off to the start next season like they did this year, losing their first four in a row or whatever it is. It, you know, I think it was they started zero and three before they finally got a, a win against a cupcake team or something like that. Uh, they can't do that next year. Uh, 
this so was want, an embarrassing game. Yes, this was embarrassing for Purdue. And I even question now if Jeff Brom is, is the head coach that we think that he is. If he's really that head coach, if he's just another average guy that you know Purdue brings in uh, every, every few years, or if he's a great coach, because I don't know yet. I, I'm questioning that. At, at that game yesterday, I know it was against Auburn, but Auburn is down this year too. Uh, that game should not have turned out that way. Now I'm now starting to question Brom. Well, and maybe he's questioning himself as well, and maybe he maybe he believes that he's just an average coach because uh, it, it turns out that he turned down the uh, coaching position in Louisville. Uh, it would be pretty embarrassing for him to get down there and have the kind of game or season that he had against Auburn yesterday. So we'll let it go. Well, let's slide. I mean, it, it was Auburn, and let's 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 not uh, uh, make any uh, bones about it. Auburn's a damn good team. So. Anyway, we'll see what happens in the in the 2019 uh, squad, if you will. So let's talk a little bit about going on with your list. Uh, UMBC uh, beat Virginia first, a 16 beat a number one. Uh, thoughts on that? As we ready, not literally ready, but we're getting closer to March Madness as well. Yeah, uh, that was got a special place in my heart because I was actually at the uh, first and second round tournament games in Nashville. And I think Texas and Nevada was playing against each other. I was at the stadium, the Bridgestone Arena, uh, Arena, watching an NCAA game. But when it, that news hits on your cell phones that, uh, you know, UMBC is up on Virginia in the second half, well, then you go out to these concourses there in the uh, Bridgestone Arena and start watching this game on TV. I think there's more people out in the concourses watching that game on TV than watching the actual NCAA tournament games going on in the stadium. So that was a really cool experience and seeing that and being at an NCAA, NCAA tournament game and watching another one on TV was kind of unique. It's really cool experience. And so I got to do that. That was really neat. And watching a, you knew it was going to happen eventually at 16 beating a one. You just didn't know. And uh, it made sense that it'd be Virginia, the one that does it, that was going to be the one to lose. They're really good. They're a great defensive team. They've never been a great offensive team. And that's the problem. They're a really boring team for a one. Well, yeah, absolutely, and it, it it was bound to happen. So I was I, that was an exciting game. It's it's amazing how we just forget about little things like that uh, as we get as we get going on through the year. Maybe one of the things that we yeah, get, and also and, uh, forget. Right. Yeah, not to cut you off. I'm sorry, but uh, you know, you figure that if a, if a 16 beat a one, it, it might be a last second shot or just something real close. But it wasn't. It ended up being like a 20 something point blowout. Uh, so it was shocking in that way too. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know, let's 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 not forget this was a pretty exciting uh, March Madness, if you will, and all kinds of bracket busters. Uh, it, it's amazing, like I said, how how we uh, forget about things like that. Let's talk a little bit about uh, next on your list here. You got LeBron to the Lakers. Not really a big surprise. I think that we thought that he would go to L.A. and you know turn uh, into world championship in, in year one that's happening clearly he's injured now and let's talk a little bit about how much lebron james gets to get away with if you will just because he's lebron james not only on the court but as we saw here recently off the court with some of his instagram and twitter uh things about uh lyrics that were clearly very 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 racist and i'm just uh curious on your thoughts on that because because he's lebron we say it's okay for him to say 
oh, I just didn't know that was racist. How could you not know? You're one of the the leading foregoing people that calls everybody a racist. Uh, LeBron James, I, I think, just really cast a shadow on himself. And another reason why I, I, I just, maybe overrated is not the right word to use for LeBron James because he certainly is a very great player. Uh, certainly one of the best that's ever played the game. We'll give him that. But at the same time, that does not give him the credit, to ju- uh, the, uh, the, the privilege or the entitlement to just go out there and say and do whatever you want off, off the court. And not to mention on the court, but yeah, big news in 2018, LeBron leaves the Cavaliers. Cavaliers have uh, pretty much dismantled and are uh, a, a, a trash can fire at the moment. It's not hard to point to why, where the success was with Cleveland Cavaliers, and that was LeBron James. But I'm not seeing that carry over to the L.A. Lakers. I think he's going to have to be more than just LeBron James to get the uh, LA Lakers uh, to an NBA championship. Well, they're a playoff team right now. I mean, we got a long way to go still, but right now they are one of the top eight teams in the West. Uh, my thoughts about LeBron going to the Lakers was instead of him just losing to the Warriors in the finals, now he gets to lose to them all season long. <laughs> I, I know they just, I know they just beat him on Christmas pretty good, but. Uh, that's not really that important of a game as far as the Warriors go. That game meant everything to the Lakers and nothing to the Warriors. So that's what I just attribute to that game. But he gets loose to them all season long now being in the West. So, and about the, his tweet, you know, I know we're in the butthurt society and everything's bubble wrapped. But if you're quoting lyrics to a song, to me that is not racism. I mean, you racist are well, no, there's a context to this stuff, and you just can't get butthurt over it, every little thing. And uh, honestly, I, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, man. I love the rap music from there, yes. I will admit that I am guilty of singing along with some of that music. So uh, am I racist? No. So there's a context to this stuff, too. So I'm not going to fault LeBron James for going on Twitter and quoting lyrics. Uh, to me, that's not being racist. That doesn't hurt my feelings at all so let me ask you this rick if you or i uh good old white boy suburban uh, suburban american white boys uh go on twitter and quote the same lyrics what do you think would be the repercussions well i don't know what he quoted i don't know what the I'm lyrics gonna, I, 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 I can't you'll have to look it up i'm not i'm not going to read it online lyrics. here i'm not going to read it online yeah. here but there were there was words that Definitely should not be used. Put it that way. Well, well, I, I'm, I'm, I don't grab my pearls and faint onto the couch like most of America anymore when the, a, a bad word comes across social media. So uh, it, to me, it, it's all in context. If it's song lyrics and he's wanting to tweet or quote song lyrics or just whatever, uh, that doesn't hurt my feelings at all. So I mean, <laughs> I'm fine with it. What? He should be grown up enough to know that song lyrics like that should not exist. You'll have to get, uh, you'll have to Google it. In, 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 in. What the heck? Stand by. Shut up. 
yelling, waking up the rock. Keep up. Why you mad? Fix your face. Say my fault they all be jacking. Keep up. Players only. Come on. Show. 
Yeah, Perfect. Hey, hey, you're familiar with radio. You know how things just start doing things when you get a mind of their own. Oh yeah. Just, you know, so we were supposed to go to a to a break at the beginning of the show, and uh, my my bumper music wouldn't play, and then it just went into dead air, and then we started talking, and then I, so whatever, and then without me pushing any buttons, it just started going into its own little spot break here. So we're good. We're good. What, what hey, we I, I, we've all been there, and I can I can fill the next two and a half hours with with crazy stories from Colts pregame shows from from days long ago, and many other mishaps and misfortunes of of, of radio. So I understand. Absolutely. Well, welcome, and we certainly want to bring you on board. We want to talk about this big game tomorrow uh, down in Music City, uh, the Tennessee Titans and uh, the, the, the the Colts. But we say it's a play-in game, but it's a playoff game. What are your thoughts? The yeah. Colts, we, we started off really rough. Now look at us now. Look at us now, Mr. Matt Hicks. I was at that game last week, and I'm going to tell you what. It was electric uh, when when uh, when Hook, uh, Booker uh, – Caught that interception. I have. I think I have the right player right here. Which way? Hooker. Yeah. It, yeah. Hooker. Just uh, it totally exploded. Now we find ourselves in a position when you're in. Uh, this is a, a playoff game, and, and of course we got to look at Houston. Are, are they going to just let Jacksonville beat them? I don't know because they know that the division's on the line. So talk with us a little bit about the Tennessee Titans and the Colts, and then we'll get into some uh, 2018 uh, stories, if you will. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah, Tennessee um, is an interesting story in itself. They made the playoffs last year. They go ahead and fire their coach, um, which I suppose in the modern NFL isn't all that uncommon, but they just didn't like, you know, new owner, uh, didn't like where the direction of the team was headed. So they fire Mike Malarkey. They bring in Mike Vrabel. Um, they're – I don't know that they're that much better of a team right now. Um, and then, of course, you get into the injury concerns they have not only on defense, three three defensive starters out, declared out already, and then you get into the Marcus Mariota situation where he may not play. Uh, and Blaine Gabbert, you know, listen, Blaine Gabbert, you know, all jokes aside about him in his early career, has kind of turned his career around. He's a, he's a solid, maybe solid plus backup quarterback. So, and Colts fans going back to, what was it, Billy Bullock with the Chargers, know that just because the backup quarterback is in doesn't mean anything. Um, so this is going to be a really interesting game tomorrow. There's a lot of storylines to follow. One is, as I'm sure you've already talked about, yesterday there was a bowl game at Nissan Field, I think they call it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Purdue made such a mess of the field getting the crap kicked out of them that could be an issue tomorrow. Uh, the field condition might be a story. They're claiming it won't be. It's going to be fine. But I think that is interesting to have a college team play there on a Friday and then turn it around grass, grass field, by the way, turn it around for a Sunday uh, evening game. Now, they do get the extra, essentially the extra day because it's not until Sunday night. But that potentially could be a story. But here's, here's my spin on that that might be more detrimental to the Titans who want to run the ball than it might be to the Colts. So that's kind of an interesting thing to keep your eye on. The, obviously, the big thing you've heard all week is Andrew Luck has never lost a game to the Tennessee Titans. And, and quite frankly, I don't see that changing this week either. I think 
Um, the Colts will take care of business on the road. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a close game, and then it'll be a nail-biter. But in the NFL, as you've seen through 16 weeks, the quarterbacks make all the difference, and the league is skewed towards good quarterback play. And the Colts have probably, if not a top-10 quarterback, it's not a top-5 quarterback, definitely a top-10 quarterback, and 12 teams make the playoffs. So I, I don't see any reason the Colts won't make the playoffs. And, and I kind of said all year, if, 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 if luck started every game, I kind of saw them winning 10 games, and then you just see where the chips fall. Well, if they win 10 games, they're going to make the playoffs, and they may even win the division. But that's a whole other story in itself. We're talking with Matt Hicks uh, from local uh, 1070 and, and, and uh, whatever here. He's uh, been around radio here in the Indianapolis market for a long time. Rick Riggin, uh what do you got for Matt Hicks regarding the Colts and the Titans tomorrow? Uh, well, not too much. Uh, he brought some really good points, uh, Matt. Uh, I, I didn't even think about the, the field conditions there in, in Nashville because of the bowl game yesterday. And I thought because of this whole thing with Marcus Mariota now, there would be a lot more put on Derrick Henry in that running game because we know these past couple of two or three weeks Derrick Henry is uh he's been like the best running back in the NFL you know he's rushed well over 500 yards these past couple games two or three games uh I thought a lot would be going on the running game uh with the Titans because of Marcus Mariota I mean I, they, they're kind of a run first team anyway to set up everything everything else that they do uh, but with the field conditions, that's a, that's a really good point. That's probably going to affect that running game some. And I would say that the, the second half of the season, Andrew Luck has been like a top-five quarterback in the league. Very impressive. Uh, it, I like I love what the Colts have done with that offensive line. They are protecting him. Was he's like, Am I wrong? Is He's been sacked the least now. Uh, mm-hmm. He's gone the yeah. last two or three years where he's had the – they've given him the most sacks, and now he's the least sacked quarterback. And some of that is by scheme, uh, which you you cannot give enough credit to uh, Nick Sirianni and 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 um, Frank Wright. A lot of that is by scheme that he's getting the ball out quicker than he had in years past. Not not, not by a huge amount, but by just enough that he's avoiding the sacks. He is very judicious when he runs, but when he runs, he's incredibly effective. Andrew Luck has kind of morphed into very, I don't know if you would say quietly, because I don't think you can do anything quietly in the NFL, in the NFL but um, he kind of has finally become that quarterback that many thought he would be when he came in, the, 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 the young John Elway or Steve Young type of quarterback that, boy, he can beat the pants off of you with his arm, but he can also run, and it's, it's not a joke. Uh, it's, I mean, he can run. And when he picks his spots, I mean, he's good for a for a solid first down or a, or even, you know, just was it two or three weeks ago? I can't remember if it was in the Dallas game or if it was uh, Jackson uh, the Jacksonville win. I I can't remember what game it was, but there, you know, there's a time where they're trying to kind of run out the clock. So it would have been Dallas. They're trying to run out the clock, and he would have been sacked, but no, he got three or four yards, and that sets him up in a very manageable third down. That's the type of thing he brings. No, he's not going to rush at this point in his career and his injury history. He's not going to run like Lamar Jackson and run for 125 yards a game. But the reality is, is that is not a long-term maintainable answer in the NFL. You cannot have your quarterback rushing the ball 20 and 25 times a game and expect him to play 16 weeks a year. It's just not going to happen. So what he, what he has brought this season, in particular the last 
10 weeks, if you will, when he really kind of got everything back under his legs again, is, like you said, I mean, I don't think top five is, is all at all out of the uh, discussion, and that's not me wearing blue glasses. I mean, he's, he's, he's playing really well and in, 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 in the conversation for MVP talk if they win tomorrow night. Matt, is, uh, is Andrew Luck your uh, comeback player of the year? They should name it the Andrew Luck comeback player of the year. It's, that's the most foregone conclusion. And I think, unfortunately, that's going to rule him out of some other awards that he should be considered for uh, because it's kind of like Vic Oladipo last year. He was, he, was the, he was the most improved player, and that kind of ruled him out for defensive player of the year, which I still maintain he should have been the defensive player of the year in the NBA. Andrew Luck should not only be the comeback player of the year, he should probably be second or third in MVP voting. He won't be. He'll be fourth or fifth. Uh, but he should be in the top three for MVP voting, and he should be in the conversation for offensive player of the year as well, and, and he won't be. They'll, they'll, they like, it, it seems like the, the voters like to spread those awards around. But, yeah, he will probably win comeback player of the year by the widest margin and since the awards come around, how, how, how long has the award been? About 12 years now. He'll win by the most anybody's ever won it by. Well, we certainly hope so. So let's look a little bit back of 2018. Obviously, I know you're an Indianapolis homer here, so but feel free to talk with us a little bit about some of your best uh, stories that were covered in 2018. Obviously, uh, we look back at the Indianapolis 500, probably one of the most historic as far as uh, goes uh, in 2018 anyway, because we had a true bump day, and we had a really, really good driver, a fan favor get bumped from the Indianapolis 500. Uh, yeah. And uh, so talk with us a little bit about 2018 in sports in your mind, sir. Well, it's funny you say that because that's actually the first place I went. The biggest story of the 500 may have been that Hinchcliffe, James Hinchcliffe, gets bumped out of the race and maybe even a bigger story than Will Power winning it. So that's kind of an interesting thing. But what I think one of the overarching, just sticking to racing for a minute, one of the overarching stories of 2018 not just locally, but nationally, is the decline of NASCAR. I mean, it is now a, well, I don't know, you know, if you tier the sports where you put it, but it's definitely not on the top tier as it was for a short while. And they have a a major challenge in front of them to make that sport continue to be not only economically viable, but also interesting enough for fans to watch. And that's clearly the issue they're having. And in particular, having fans watch live in person and buy a ticket for the race. That's the the most noticeable situation that that I think NASCAR is going through. But I think, you know, as you, as you talk kind of from a local Indianapolis, what's kind of been lost too um, in, in 2018 is kind of the resurgence of the Indiana Pacers. This is a team now that has the third Mm -hmm. best record in the NBA. They would be the number one seed in the West. If you, if you looked at it that way, um, they are a game and a half out of first place in the East. National people picked them to slide back a little bit. And I don't think that's, you know, everybody wants to say that's unfair. I don't know that that's unfair. They made a lot of changes. They were, they were um, when you look at the team on paper, you see, wow, they're going to have to rely on Vic Oladipo a lot. But they spread it around so incredibly well. And I said this last year, and I say it again this year, this team reminds you in a lot of ways the Detroit Pistons team that went on the two or three year run and actually won a title. They are very um, selfless and they don't care who does it on an individual individual night. 
They play great defense. I think they lead the league in defense right now. Um, so that's a, that's an interesting kind of just kind of amazing thing that the Pacers have have kind of once again rebuilt on the run. They they were able to kind of bridge the gap between the Eastern Conference uh, regular season champions, if you will, with the Paul George and uh, David West group and bridge that gap to this current group. And I don't know that they're going to win the East. I'm not saying that, but, but they're going to be awfully competitive throughout the rest of the year. And I think they're going to have a pretty high seed and they're going to have every chance to win a couple playoff series and maybe give themselves a chance to play for the world championship, which is just kind of a crazy thought when you think of, of where we were even last January um, thinking, okay, is this team for real? Well, I think that question has been answered. I think they're a legit team. It's just, what do you do to get them to that next level to be with the golden States um, and, and seriously consider them a title contender. So that's kind of another interesting story. And then uh, we've touched on it briefly too. The other kind of the, my other sports story of the year is clearly Andrew Luck. I mean, yes. we were in the summer wondering if he was going to continue his playing career. It, you know, what were we going to see when he started throwing the ball? And uh, those questions have, I think, been answered in the affirmative. He's, he's good to go. <laughs> and, and clearly a franchise quarterback and clearly worth the contract he was given and probably in reality outplaying his contract that he was given, which is really what you always want to see as a, as an owner, I suppose. But, but this is a guy that's playing so well right now that he's, as I said, should be in the MVP talk. I don't know if he will be legitimately or not, but he at least should be considered. We're talking with Matt Hitch or Rick Riggett, our executive producer of the balance joins us as well. Uh, Rick, what do you got for, for Matt as far as when we look back at 2018? Uh, Matt, we were also talking a little bit about uh, LeBron going to the Lakers and the impact that that's had. But, Rick, go ahead. What are your, what are your uh, uh, thoughts, questions, or concerns to uh, Matt Hicks? Well, you were talking NBA and racing, and you know, Tom, that is two of my, like, uh, <laughs> that's not cross That is, like, uh, you know, you, you can see NASCAR being in trouble when this – the rate, you know, the stadiums, the the seats, the stands at these tracks are only mm-hmm. half full anymore, and then half to three quarters of those fans that were still showing up were all junior fans. So he retires. So where does that leave the state of the sport now after that retirement? And uh, you know, in the NBA, he's talking about the Pacers. Uh, also, not my strong suit, but I know when they fired Frank Vogel a couple years ago, because Larry Bird said they want they really need to get more offense there in Indianapolis. You know, they wasn't doing enough on offense to to really compete. And they bring in Nate McMillan, who's a defensive-minded coach. So everybody questioned that. But yet, here we are. A week ago, that was the quietest 29 record you've ever heard of in the NBA. So uh, I think it, it's it's going great for the Pacers. I love Victor Oladipo because I'm an IU fan. Uh, but I, I do get into the NBA uh, playoffs. I do watch a lot of the NBA when the Pacers were in it, especially last year with uh, Victor Oladipo. And they, they should have beat Cleveland last year. Mm-hmm. And I think they went to game seven, you know, I think it was game four or five. LeBron hit that last second shot to kind of extend the series there. Pacers could have put out Cleveland last year. So uh, I, I don't really have anything for you as far as topics for Sports Stories 2018. I know I gave Tom my list yesterday, but I can't remember what's on it now. Uh, so I, I know I had Conor McGregor on there and that whole bus attack, you know, and a couple other things. But uh, yeah, I don't, not really much. I just wanted to talk a little more about the NBA and racing because I'd never get to do it because I don't ever want to do it because I don't follow the two sports. <laughs> <laughs> well, well yeah, I think, and, you know, uh, look, 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 go ahead, Tom. 
I was just going to touch on some other things on Rick's list, and and that was the the uh, uh, Conor McGregor arrested for the bus attack, and uh, Boston wins the World Series, and Tiger and and Phil goes, uh, and then. Uh, the, the the Tiger and uh, Phil Mickelson uh, matchup, I think, was uh, as well. And Tyler Trent and Gruden returns to the NFL. Those were the other ones that were on your list. So feel free to chime in or whatever you were going to say there. Uh, well, I was, gonna, I was just going to touch on, yeah, nationally, I think LeBron to the Lakers was, was a huge, huge story uh, nationally. Because here you have the NBA's, I mean, you know, the reality of it is he's probably player in the NBA. I, I mean, it's it's definitely by a closer margin than it's ever been because, you know, age is starting to show here. And, and, and not necessarily age as much as just, you know, the, the tread on the tires isn't as, as thick as it once was. I mean, the guy's been playing pro ball since he was 18. But he's still probably the best player in the NBA. And, and like I said, maybe not by as much of a margin. And he goes to the Lakes. I mean, there couldn't be a bigger – couldn't be a bigger fit as far as you know star and stars go and then they will build a a team around him and they may and and the reality of it is they may already have a good enough team around him to compete in the west and and just with the where golden state is and some people would have heard nothing hey Walt, are you with us yes I'm joining us now is Walt Ferber from down in, and Matt, I know, I think you're familiar with Walt Ferber. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Walt joins us as well. I'm going to talk a little college hoops for us. I know that you're in the middle of doing some games. Uh, Walt is uh, on ESPN3 uh, TV uh, also with the Evansville Aces. So what, we, what we're just talking a little bit is about the year in 2018 in sports. Matt Hicks uh, joins us. I, I know you know Matt. Rick Riggin, our executive producer of The Balance. Well, I appreciate you taking some time from your busy uh, game schedule today to talk with us. Let's uh, let's just talk a little bit about what's going on there in your backyard. Rick, I know you go to a lot of Evansville Aces games. Talk with us about what's going on with the Aces. Certainly a new college uh, uh, basketball coach there. Uh, a lot of things they want to get done. Maybe you're, you're seeing some hints of what can happen in the future. Right now, not really where they want to be at, but talk with us a little bit about the Evansville Aces, and we'll get into some other stuff, obviously some high school basketball and stuff that you're familiar with as well. And I'm sorry for cutting you off there, Matt, but I know that we've only got Walt for a limited amount of time. He's a man of high demand. Go ahead, Walt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, thank you. It's very always good being on the program with you. Uh, University of Evansville, uh, at the end of last year, uh, fired uh, Marty Simmons after a winning season. Uh, they brought in Walter McCarty, who was a high-profile coach, uh, played at the University of Kentucky and was an assistant coach for the Boston Celtics. And uh, they basically had to start over from scratch as uh, they lost their two best players, uh, Ryan Taylor, who was a, the, one of the leading scorers of the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, transferred, and he uh, had graduated from UE and uh, went to Northwestern. He is now Northwestern's second-leading scorer, so he's made uh, an immediate impact for, for that team in the Big at Ten. But what may have been the biggest loss is sophomore guard Drew Smith. They were really building the program around for the next several years. He transferred to the University of Missouri in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, he is uh, having a redshirt year this year. Uh, he petitioned to play right away. 
the university uh, fought that petition. So he is uh, redshirting this year and it will be available. And, and from what I hear from the people of Missouri, if Drew would be on the Missouri team this year, he would be their best player and probably their leading scorer. So uh, Evansville, that's a pretty big, uh, big, big shoes to fill along with the seniors. They already lost last year. Uh, they have some, some uh, help on the way, though, as uh, they have a, a fella uh, by the name of Sam Cunliffe. Cunliffe is a transfer from the University of, of Kansas, and according to a lot of the scouting services, uh, he would be the highest-ranked recruit ever to sign for the University of Evansville. He would have two seasons remaining uh, to uh, be active for UE, and uh, speaking of ESPN3, I do ESPN3 work for the university. I've got a women's game coming up on January 12th where Sam is going to be my color analyst. So he is actually spending this year uh, basically getting ready to play his final two years for UE. They also have DeAndre Williams. His grades would not uh, uh, let him go this year. They're hoping to have him in for next year. He was also considered a, a three-star recruit by a number of recruiting services. So they're putting it together with, with kind of spit and chewing gum, and they're honestly playing a little better than expected. Uh, Danius Akavishis in his senior year uh, is back. He's doing a pretty good job in the middle. K.J. Riley's kind of a Swiss Army knife for, for Evansville, and he is uh, he's doing a lot of stuff for them. He's just coming off in their win over Green Bay last week. He's coming off a career performance at uh, at 24 points, they also brought in a uh, a transfer from Division Three, and uh, and and Illinois. He was the leading Division Three three point shooter. Shea Feehan is doing an outstanding job for them and is scoring. And Walter McCarty is wants to get as many possessions as possible in a ball game. So it is an entertaining type game to watch. Uh, you're going to have a lot of points scored, but they have had defensive lapses at times, but to be at 500 right now with the players they've lost and the players they have coming in is is really not too bad. Crowds have remained steady uh, at uh, at UE, so, uh, you know, it's kind of, in a lot of ways, everybody is a winner in that situation. Uh, Marty Simmons left UE. He's now the associate head coach at Clemson, and he is, uh, he's loving, certainly loving it there. And uh, literally everyone in the coaching staff is uh, the old coaching staff has ended up in new places, and a new coaching staff is in UE. So it's kind of the the nature of the game. Uh, change does happen, and uh, and uh, UE uh, we'll see how they are when they get in Missouri Valley Conference play, and that starts coming up January second when they play Drake. Rick Rickin, I know you live down there in Evansville. You go to a lot of the Evansville games. What what thoughts do you have for uh, Walt Ferber uh, regarding the University of Evansville or anything for that matter? Go ahead, Rick. Hey, good morning, Walt. Good morning. Uh, hey, my, my question is uh, to you, I don't know if you could speak on it or not, is the uh, Drew Smith situation. Because uh, I got mixed up in some of this, you know, the back and forth between the two schools, and it actually got me blocked on Twitter by UE's athletic director. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I was wanting to know some clarification of why Drew Smith is not able to play for Missouri this year because Missouri is blaming UE for not signing off on the uh, well, 
you know, the whatever he, they had to sign off on, so he can play to give them permission to go. He can go ahead and play. And then Yui is saying that they did everything they're in, and it was Missouri's fault for not handling things on their end. So I just want to know if you can speak on maybe some of the clarification on why Drew Smith can't play this year. Well, I'll do what I can for you. Uh, by the scope of the rule, he can't because. Uh, if you transfer from one division school to another division school, you have to set out a year before you can uh, retain your eligibility. Uh, some schools have allowed waivers in that. Uh, Drew basically wanted to transfer because uh, he was heart and soul in with Marty Simmons, the, the former uh, head basketball coach, and he basically uh, has told me that he came to UE because he wanted to play for Coach Simmons. Nothing against Coach McCarty, but uh, he he liked uh, Coach Simmons' style of basketball, and uh, he uh, decided once Coach Simmons was not there that he would uh, would take his talent somewhere else. Uh, the university the university did not yank his scholarship, uh, which uh, is supposed to be a reason for the the transfer not to take place. So uh, if you go by the tenet of the rule, UE is correct in, uh, in not allowing uh, him to play immediately. But uh, I think there's a little bit of truth both ways, and uh, there's a little bit of sour feelings both ways. Uh, Drew with the University of Evansville and the University of Evansville with Drew, because Evansville without Smith this year, they really had a major retooling job, and uh, it's just one of those things in college basketball. Players come to play for a certain coach, and uh, when the coach leaves, it, it you know, it, because Drew honestly had no want to stay at UE without Simmons being there, but uh, by the tenet of the rule for the transfer to be immediately uh UE has to rescind their scholarship offer to Smith, and that they did not do. We're talking with Walt Ferber, WITC Program Director, uh, and obviously Sports Head Director uh, down in Jasper, uh, ESPN3 TV uh, for the University of Evansville, all around Indiana high school football and basketball. Matt Hicks, that's kind of your wheelhouse as well. Guys, let's talk a little bit about the top stories of 2018. Matt, I'll turn it over to you because I know that you and Walt both uh, certainly uh, do a lot of high school coverage and we're going to play a little homer game here. I know we're in high school still, uh, but certainly uh, there's been a lot of good high school games that we've seen throughout the year, and you guys uh, have your ears to that a lot more than what we do here on, on the national show, even though we're based in Indianapolis. So, Matt, I'll turn it over to you. Whatever you got for Walt Ferber, you go, sir. Matt, are you still with us? I think we lost Matt. So go ahead. We'll just go with you on that uh, that question there. Go ahead, uh, Walt. Uh, talking about high school, well, last year the big story in our neck of the woods it was 2A in Forest Park. As Forest Park uh, made it all the way to the state finals last year, uh, they had a uh, great senior in Sam Englert, and uh, a Division One prospect in Kurt Hope, who started last year as a freshman, that would be at the top of the line. Also, Evansville Bossies advanced last year in the tournament uh, was 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 certainly big. And uh, as far as high school basketball, 
this year, a number of, of good local teams in our area. We're hitting holiday tournament time right now. Team to look out for this year is Southridge. They've got a, a kid, a sophomore named Colson Montgomery, that's being looked at by programs as high up as Indiana University. He's starting to get his sea legs, and Southridge is starting to play extraordinarily well. Uh, you, you look at this area, Evansville Wrights, uh, they've got a, a young a point guard that's already been offered by Kansas, so uh, they look pretty good down in the in the in the Evansville area. So, Southern Indiana was uh, Romeo Langford finally graduated from uh, from New Albany last year, and all the IU fans see what he's doing for Indiana University now. They're doing a little rebuilding down there, and in the southern part of the state. Floyd Central is a really good-looking program right now. You may want to look for Floyd Central to possibly be in, in Indianapolis at the end of the year. Rick Reggett, our executive producer of The Balance. We're talking about the top 20, 2018 story in sports. Before we let you go, as you look back at, at uh, college basketball in 2018, and certainly as we're looking forward to Indiana University as well, uh, as you mentioned, uh, certainly uh, Romeo has shown up in and uh, what a huge, huge win that was against Butler. One could say Indiana was uh, playing better than it has, and Butler was playing worse than it had, and it kind of collided there at the Crossroads Classics. But talk with us a little bit about some of the most memorable times uh, for you in sports, whether local or nationally, here in 2018. <laughs> Is that for me or for uh, Walt, Tom? It, that was for me? Oh, I am so sorry. It's for you, Rick, and if you want to say okay. to Walt, go right ahead, buddy. <laughs> well, yeah, since I have a, a Walt here, Walt Ferber here with us, I mean, it's great. You know, a couple of little guys, and uh, we'll just keep it right here local. Uh, for me, I'm a Central High School graduate. Yeah, I mean, I'm an old guy but a young guy at the same time compared to you, you guys. So, yeah, I graduated in 97. <laughs> what are you but, trying to say there, man? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh a huge sports story for me, 2018, here locally, probably my top story, is Evansville Central, my alma mater, making it to the uh, state finals for the first time ever in football. And that game going to four overtimes in a way they lost. And what an epic game that was. And just what a season Central High School had. Uh, for me, that's locally, that is my top story. And uh, I'd say number two, just because I, I know this kid's dad, uh, Dirk Lindauer, uh, Michael Lindauer signing with Cincinnati, to me, that's a really big deal. Anytime you, we get a local kid, you know, Memorial's a quarterback, as any local kid, really, uh, going a big program like Cincinnati, any big Division I uh, uh, program and, and can actually compete and if they get to play and be a starter. If he gets to be a starter at Cincinnati, that is huge for me. I love it when our, our local talent here can really go to the next level and really shine. So it was a little central. And then uh, I'd say my number two story locally here for 2018 is uh, Michael Lindauer. Go ahead. What, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, uh, I would agree with that looking at, at Evansville. Uh, that Central State Championship game was one of the best state championships I've ever seen, and it's something you don't normally see in high school football. That was a titanic defensive battle, and Central should be very, very proud of the season they had. And I've watched Michael Lindauer the last several years kick Jasper's butt in foot football on, on a yearly basis. He is good, and he is one of those late recruits. Uh, he had already verbaled to Southern Illinois University, an FCS school in the Missouri Valley uh, Football Conference, 
and uh, he uh, started getting some late D1 interest as Cincinnati came into the picture. He uh, decommitted from Southern Illinois and is going to uh, to be a member of uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats football team. He's one of the best, certainly one of the best that I've seen. I think he's got a good shot there, and he's a great multi-sport athlete. That the fact of the matter is, uh, he also is an excellent basketball and baseball player. Uh, he's hel- he's helping Rick Wilgus's Evansville Memorial basketball team, and uh, he is one of the better pitcher slash shortstops in baseball. So uh, he could have had the opportunity not only to play uh, to play college football, but he could have played Division One college baseball. Might have even been drafted and uh, could have, on a smaller level, played uh, college basketball. So Lindauer, one of the, the better uh, people that you're going to see in the city of Evansville. Also, Branson Combs, a receiver uh, on that team, is going to be playing at Southern Illinois. So Evansville Memorial ha- has had an outstanding last several years, and uh, they've got some very, very good guys there. Uh, you know, kudos to Evansville Central. I was just there last night for Jasper Evansville Central basketball and uh, a heck of a year for them in football as they were going for their first ever state championship. So, so yeah, I think those two stories are very good indeed. Well, we've been talking with Walt Ferber. We appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us. As you look back at 2018, what is uh, some of the top uh, sports stories, either locally or nationally, Walt, that uh, – that come to mind? Well, the thing that, that comes to me, uh, and this is just several weeks ago, uh, Tony Aarons is Jasper High School football. He took over for Jerry Brewer, who, who was the all-time state winning as coach and has had an outstanding winning percentage. He had an 81% winning percentage over the time he was there and uh, at the football banquet this year decided that he was going to retire from the game. And I, I know that uh, Jasper football is certainly – going to uh certainly going to miss him uh very very much they're in the, the process now of searching for a new coach uh there will be applications for that taken through january 4th and we'll find out who the new football coach is at uh, the february school board uh, meeting and uh, it will continue to be the year of the raider so southridge was the 2a state champion in 2017 in high school football they then went on in uh, basketball and won their first ever 3A sectional basketball title at Huntingburg Memorial. And then in high school baseball last year, uh, they ended up uh, going all the way uh, to the state final game and having a chance with the bases loaded and two outs to come up with a win and coming up a little bit short in their final games. That would be uh, certainly the top uh, for me as far as on a statewide level. Uh, the resurgence of the Indianapolis Colts uh, would be right up there. Obviously, luck coming back and having an outstanding year. And also a blue-collar resurgence of the Indiana Pacers. As uh, with the loss of Paul George, i got to give the management their credit as they've retooled that, uh, that team basically and got a steal uh, getting the players they got in, in that trade with Victor Oladipo and uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, who both played extraordinarily well. The Pacers really have a chance to to be to have a first round uh, home court advantage in the NBA playoffs. So, certainly, I certainly like uh, what uh, what they have done. 
And uh, also in my area, Summer League Baseball, our team that I cover, the Dubois County Bombers, won the first-ever Bluegrass World Series as they ended up knocking off a team of former major leaguers coached by, by Johnny Betts. So it has been a, uh, a very busy sports year in our neck of the woods. And I think in the state of Indiana, it has been an incredible sports year. And then you can get on uh, talking about highlights of the year, uh, Notre Dame football. They uh, are playing Clemson today in the national semifinals. So uh, you, they always expect Notre Dame to be good, but they have a chance for a national championship this year. So that's going to be one of the top stories also. Rick, we're going to give you the final word uh, for Walt. As you mentioned, uh, he uh, Rick is a big Notre Dame guy as well. Uh, that's a great segue into our, our next segment here in just a moment with uh, Ed Kratz. We're going to be talking some NFL. But uh, uh, go ahead, uh, Rick, what are your final thoughts for uh, – uh, Walt, as we have him on today. Yeah, Walt, I'm glad you brought up Notre Dame there at the end because that's where I was going to go with my next uh, my next big story for 2018 because the biggest story for me for 2018 kicks off at about 3 o'clock today. So that's where I'm going to be. That's where my head is right now. I've been a nervous wreck ever since they made the playoff, you know, three weeks ago <laughs> since the season ended. So I'm glad, Walt, that you brought that up, and uh, it is really nice talking to you today. Well, well we appreciate – Go ahead, a pleasure, Go ahead. A pleasure, gentlemen. Always fun being on your show. All right. We'll look forward to having you on again. You have yourself a good new year. Walt Ferber is joining us. Rick, I'll tell you what. You know, he's a class act, and I, I don't think you've ever actually met him. Walt Ferber from WITZ, uh, program director down in Jasper there in WQK. QKZ, I'm sorry, and then ESPN3 with the University of Evansville. He has his his, his uh, pulse on everything as far as the University of Evansville, both high school football, high school basketball. Uh, if it comes to being a homer here in Indiana, a Wolf is your first guy to go to and talk with. So great guest to, to have him on. Uh, let's uh, segue into that. We're, by the way, just for those of you that might be scratching their heads, why aren't you guys taking a break? Well, I'm asking myself the same thing, but it's, it looks like it's a problem, Rick, that I have to fix offline. So we're just going to have to just keep going without any commercials, and that's just how it's going to roll today. So, uh, But we're, uh, Ed Kraft is going to be joining us here momentarily, and we're going to be talking some NFL, best of NFL, and obviously uh, the elephant in the room, and that's the NFL playoff picture. But let's talk about the bowl games that are going on today. Obviously, uh, you've got uh, Notre Dame and you've got Alabama, two of the biggest, not playing together, obviously, but two of the biggest uh, games uh, of the year are going on right today. And a lot can, can happen and see what happens. But what are your thoughts on the Notre Dame fighting Irish, like you said, at 3 o'clock? Let's rock and roll. Yeah, well, like I was saying earlier, when you was trying to get through your technical issues this morning, or not yours, but, you know, ours, the show's technical issues. <laughs> uh, you know, Notre Dame all season has been a run-first team. They really want really want to establish the run. And I think today against Clemson, uh, they're going to have to do the opposite of that. Uh, they are going to have to hit some passing plays. And I'm not, not just talking about the 5, 8, 10-yard slant routes underneath. They're going to have to throw the ball down the field. And uh, Ian Book... He's got over 70% completion rate, uh, completion percentage rate. You know, uh, that I still think that's tops in the country. I'm not sure on that. If it's not, it's definitely top two or three. 
they have the the guy at quarterback that can do it. They have the athletes to do it, but can they actually get it done against Clemson's defense? Because they are going to have to pass the ball to set up the run. If they think that they're going to go in this game and establish the run early, uh, they're going to be dead wrong. And uh, another thing I would say, uh, and I was talking about this last night with my wife, of all people, because uh, <laughs> she's a big <laughs> sports mind too, but uh, Brian Kelly re- really needs to go back to that 2012 game against Alabama and look, of, look at all the preparation that he put in uh, before that matchup. And then he needs to look at that game also and see what what went wrong in that game. I know it was against Alabama, and Alabama that year probably could have beat two or three NFL teams. That that was a hell of a team they had in 2012. But he needs to look at all that and how he got the team ready for that game. And he needs to take all of that and do the exact the exact opposite of what he did then and do it this week. Do it, he has to have that and do the opposite of that for this game. So – Whatever the approach was then, uh, he needs to learn from that, and, and I hope he's applied that uh, to the game today because uh, they just can't go in like they have a, a, every game this year and thinking it's a it, it's a business it, it's a business trip and not a game. Uh, you know who the opponent is. It's not a faceless opponent. You know that's been kind of their mojo, their motto this year. It's, next game, it's a faceless opponent. We'll prepare for that team and we'll move on. No, now the task is at hand. It's Clemson, and there's probably not much separation between Clemson and Alabama. So they know who the opponent is. He just needs to prepare that way. Uh, Whatever he did in 2012, he needs to do the opposite of that. Well, we're joined uh, now by Ed Kratz. Uh, Guys, I do apologize. We have lost our ability to go to commercial break. So we we are just doing a marathon today. So we are just going to run through it. Thanks to Matt Hicks, uh, local 1070 here and on freelance. Uh, certainly has his pulse on the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, thank you to Walt Ferber, who uh, joined us to talk with us a little college uh, hoops and talk with us a little bit about uh, play some homer action with you, if you will. Uh, time to go national now with Mr. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Sports Exchange, www.footballmaven.io slash eagles. Welcome to the last show of the year, Mr. Ed. How are you, sir? Uh, happy New Year to you guys. I'm doing great. Good morning, Ed. And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't making any references to you being a horse or anything like that, just, just so you know. Uh, Rick probably doesn't know anything about what Mr. Ed is, so we'll, we'll just let him slide on that one. But <laughs> so did you have a good Christmas? Hey, I, like I am did. I am old enough to to know. I mean, who doesn't know what Mr. Ed? I think my kids even know who Mr. Ed is. So I am old <laughs> enough, yes. But even though they were still thirty year old reruns when I was a kid in black and white, yeah, I know who Mr. Ed is. <laughs> Can't go yeah. can't go wrong with a talking horse, that's for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit. Uh, Ed, we bring you on, obviously, to, to talk some NFL, and we're going to talk about the best uh, stories in the NFL and the playoff picture. But let's start with the best story of the NFL. Obviously, you were there. One of the best of 2018. Uh, Carson Wentz unable to play. Jolly old St. Nick comes in. Here you are. Deja vu again on the brink of maybe getting into the playoffs yet again. Uh, but yet an incredible, incredible Super Bowl win against the New England Patriots. Talk with us about what it was like, 
uh, in early 2018 uh, with the Eagles in Minneapolis winning the Super Bowl. You were there. Uh, kind of help us remember that moment. Uh, well, yeah, well, even just before Minneapolis, there was that whole, uh, you know, the whole buildup to, to Minneapolis. They they went into uh, their first playoff game against the Falcons as an underdog at home, uh, and the Falcons had a chance to win that game with a, a, a throw into the end zone as, you know, with no time left, and uh, or, I'm sorry, with a few seconds left, and it was defended well by Jalen Mills. Of course, Matt Ryan was trying to find Julio Jones, and uh, the Eagles kind of survived that game. If they get a touchdown, the Falcons do there, then you know, this improbable uh, run by the Eagles was over. So they end up winning that game. They go into the following week against the Minnesota Vikings, who had the top-ranked defense in the league at the time. And, again, the Eagles were underdogs. And um, the Eagles just took the Vikings apart. They routed them 38-7. to It was really over at halftime when it was 24-7. to And then the Eagles put up a touchdown with their first possession in the third quarter. Uh, and, and it was just a celebration from the, from the whole second half of that game uh, into Minneapolis. And then when you get to Minneapolis again, the Eagles are underdogs against Tom Brady uh, and the Patriots. And, uh, you know, my recollection of being out there in Minnesota was just kind of walking into the Mall of America every day where they had the media headquarters and uh, where all the press conferences were with both teams and just seeing the banner, the huge life-size banner of Nick Foles and Tom Brady that hung from the rafters over, uh, you know, an open area inside the mall. And I just remember looking at that every single time I walked into that mall and thinking, I just can't believe that Tom or Nick Foles has a chance to beat Tom Brady. I mean, you know, some of the best quarterbacks in the league uh, have gone up against Tom Brady in this game and uh, came out on the losing end. I mean, what gives Nick Foles a chance uh, to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? And, you know, we kind of saw when the game began, the Eagles weren't going to back down. They threw deep. Uh, they controlled the ball. They didn't back down. Uh, and Nick Foles pulled off one of the you know biggest wins, at least in Philadelphia history, if not NFL history. And uh, who can forget that memorable play, the Philly special, they called it, late in the first half when, you know, it's a close game and the Eagles are faced with fourth down and everybody in the world thinks they're going to kick a field goal. Uh, but Peterson decides to call the Philly special where, you know, they snap the ball to Corey Clement, who pitches it to Trey Burton, who throws to a wide open Nick Foles in the end zone. And, you know, I think right then and there, if you were an Eagles fan, you kind of had a sense that this is going to be the Eagles day and they're going to secure the Super Bowl. But then it didn't come, you know, it didn't happen until late when Brandon Graham forced that strip sack at Tom Brady uh, that was recovered by a rookie, Derek Barnett, set up that winning uh, that field goal with about a minute 10 to go. Uh, that gave the Eagles an eight point lead, but Tom Brady still wasn't done. And it came down to that Hail Mary pass and everybody uh, in Philadelphia held their breath when Tom Brady launched that pass into the end zone and it looked from where I was sitting in the in the press box that that ball was caught and I thought here we go two-point conversion and then I see the refs uh signal incomplete and the Eagles had a Super Bowl and uh you know the Eagle fans here in Philadelphia have been riding high ever since then I know that they've had a season to deal with it's been a little difficult for them uh hasn't gone the way they had hoped um but still every every day someone talks about that Super Bowl win and uh certainly momentous occasion in Philadelphia so I'll never forget it I think it you know, nationally should be the top story of the year. As improbable as it was, the Eagles rode that underdog theme that I talked about earlier uh, right into the Super Bowl, and they and they ended up winning it. And it was it was a fun ride. If you were an Eagles fan, and even if you weren't an Eagles fan or a fan of the NFL, and you were just a casual watcher uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, I don't see how you can't be happy for what the Eagles achieved that day. 
Well, absolutely. I know I was super excited uh, uh, watching it, and I know we had an opportunity to text back and forth uh, during that game. It certainly was one for the record books. Rick, uh, what are your uh, thoughts for uh, Ed Crouch as we uh, kick off some NFL talk? All right. Good morning, Ed. Hey, Rick. Hey, uh, maybe you can give us like a, a sense of the, the Philly fan base there about the two quarterbacks, and you can call me crazy for this question, but it's Carson, Carson Wentz actually living in Nick Foles' shadow? <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, I, I think there's really two camps here in Philadelphia. One, you know, we call it the Folesian Society. Uh, you know, there's a real strong fan base for Nick Foles, and some people think they should trade Carson Wentz and try to get as many first-round picks or whatever you can get by trading Carson Wentz. But, uh, you know, Carson Wentz to me is probably the better, more consistent quarterback in the long term. Um He's younger, for sure, by about five years. Foles will be 30. Wentz will be 26 once next season begins, so it's about a four-year difference. Um, You know, I just think Wentz is the quarterback of the future for the Eagles. Foles right now is the quarterback of the right now. And, um, you know, no matter how Wentz feels, if his back is suddenly cured and the Eagles get into the playoffs uh, somehow and, and next week and Wentz is cured, you stick with Foles. He's the guy for right now. You can't take him out now, but Wentz is the quarterback of the future, and he, he's not going to go anywhere. He, he's the guy that will be here next year. Nick Foles, I don't think, will be here. Um, he'll move on someplace and, and be a starter. Uh, you know, we talk about Foles and how great he's looked these last two games and putting the Eagles, you know, kind of on the brink of the playoffs if they can get help. Uh, but you forget about the first two games this year when Foles wasn't real good as we waited for Wentz to come back. So, you know, Nick Foles to me has always been a quarterback that's really been either extremely good or not very good. There's really very little in between with him. Um, Maybe as he gets older, you know, we saw Kurt Warner kind of peak uh, when he was about 29, 30 years old, and he ended up having a good run in his 30s to put him into the Hall of Fame. You know, maybe Nick Foles will mature and get better with age. But uh, right now it's, it's, it is two camps in Philadelphia, but it's really Carson Wentz's camp that's going to end up winning out, if you want to call it that, because Wentz will be here. Uh, and Foles, I don't think, will be. Right now he's due to make $20 million next year. There's no way he's going to – the Eagles are going to pay him that to be a backup, and unless he's willing to restructure it and come down lower to a lower number, which I don't think he will be. I mean, he look, can look around the league and see several teams that need quarterbacks. Now he's kind of a system guy. You know, he has failed in, uh, you know, when he was with Jeff Fisher in St. Louis with the Rams, uh, and then Andy Reid kind of resurrected him. But he's a guy that needs that kind of a system to, to make him successful. So he'll look around the league and see what's the best fit, and I expect he'll be playing starting somewhere else next year, and Wentz will be the starter, and uh, Nate Sudfeld will probably be the backup. And not not a bad thing to happen uh, for for, for uh, Carson Wentz or Nick Foles, and we're really excited to, to see what happens. Let's get into some of the playoff pictures. Obviously, we'll start here at home. The Colts are in Music City against the Titans. I was at me and my lady was at that game last week. Let me tell you what. First of all, the 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 VIP tailgate party was an experience all by itself. That was just awesome. Um, great food, great drinks, and then we went over across the street to the stadium. It was full. Everybody was excited, and then you just kind of felt like. Oh, the Giants! Is this is this the other Manning's house too? I mean, he won a Super Bowl here, and we were people around us were talking about, 
you know, this is not Eli Manning's house. This is Peyton Manning's house. If you, I was like, we still got time. We still got time. Comes down to the to we were we were ahead. Obviously, there was the field position, and I was I was telling my lady, I said, oh, they're almost there. They get to a field goal range, and that's that. I said, I told her, I said, this is going to be a great season. She's like, stop giving up. We got this. And then there was the the interception by Hooker. He just like, this game is over. Took a knee. It was done. I went to my feet. I said some curse words that began with the word holy and ended with it. But I'm going to tell you what, <laughs> it was fantastic. Still gives me goosebumps. I'm so excited as a Colts fan and um, as a Colts homer. But as a fan of the NFL and the AFC, it got flexed to a night game for a reason because we have a lot of variables. They can either get in the playoffs, they could go home, they can – actually win the division, and the same thing for the Tennessee Titans. I'm sure they're, they're thinking the same thing. They haven't had a season like this in years. They haven't even been on Sunday Night Football, I think, since 2009 or 2010. This is a big game, so let's talk about the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts and the journey that both of them have taken to get to where we're at tomorrow. It is a Braveheart moment tomorrow night in Music City. <laughs> well, yeah, I just want to say, Tom, I felt like I was riding shotgun with you there at Lucas Oil <laughs> Stadium. You know, you kept texting me these photos of you and your girlfriend and how much fun you were having. And yeah. uh, I thought it was great, man. I, and then I saw the score kind of go in the Giants' favor. And I'm like, oh, no, you know, poor Tom. He's, he's got to be dying at this point. The Giants might pull this upset. And then uh, great job by the Colts to come back and, and win that game. Uh, really must have been exciting to see uh, live. Something oh, well. you won't forget, I'm sure. Absolutely. I still got um, goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, just imagine how you might feel Sunday around midnight, uh, how many goosebumps exactly. you'll have if the exactly. Colts go down to Tennessee. You know, the Titans could be without Marcus Mariota, um, which would certainly help, I would think, the Colts. Now, Mariota may play. I mean, it's the biggest game of the Titans season as well. And I just don't see if he can suit up and have any kind of an impact where he's going to sit. Now, he might be limited. And you know, maybe they'll, uh, you know, put Blaine Gabbard in there for a series or two or three, whatever the case may be. But I think Mariota will play. I know he's listed as questionable, but I just don't see how. If you can if you can get shoulder pads and a helmet on, I don't know how you're going to play in that game. Um, but, you know, what a great uh, what a great game that will be Sunday night. I mean, it's really basically winner, win and you're in, right? Uh, yep. And I think Glenn Luck has won 10 straight games over the Tennessee Titans. So, you know, there's that going for them. And um, you know, the Colts, we talked about all year how young they are. You just hope they don't shrink in that moment. I don't think they will. I don't think Frank Reich will have them shrinking at all. I, I really like the Colts to get down there to Tennessee and keep this role going uh, and find a way to win. You know, the Titans have kind of been up and down all year. Um, if they don't have their Mariota at 100% and they're able to shut down Derrick Henry, and I love Darius Leonard, uh, you know, with his ability to tackle. He, he leads the NFL in tackles and and by a lot, I think he's got 155 of them, and the next closest tackler has, you know, is 20 behind him or so. So, what a great year he's had! And if he can, you know, if they can find a way to slow Henry down, I think the Colts will win this game on the road and uh, march right into the playoffs, first round, probably in Houston, uh, a rematch uh, down in Houston, opening weekend of the playoffs. Talk about not, goosebumps, huh? Yeah, you're not allowed to bring up the tie. Rick Riggin, you're up. What's up, sir? Yeah, I agree with that. I think the the Colts are going to go down that. 
money in my pocket. Keep up. So many pretty girls around me and they're waking up the rocket. Keep, Keep up. Why you mad? Fix your face. Say my fault they all be jacking. Keep up. Players only. Come on. Put your fingers to the moon. Girls, what y'all trying to do? 24 carat magic in the
your holidays. So it's not on me, guys. It's on our facilitator. It is what it is. We just keep moving. It's live radio. So if you guys want to dance right along with us, uh, I think we're not going to have another flash mob dance this show, so I think we are good because based on what it just randomly happens, uh, I, I think we'll be out of time by the time it happens again. But go ahead, Rick. Yeah, I, I knew I was going to agree with Ed about the outcome of the game. I, I had a point I was going to get across to. Now I can't remember, but I do agree with Ed. I do think the uh, – Colts are going to go down to Nashville and, and, and get a – I think it's going to be a close game, really good game. But I think the Andrews probably going to move 10-0, and 11-0 against the Titans. And, uh, you know, it, it's a playoff game, really. I mean, we was calling it a play-in game earlier. It, it's really a playoff game all by itself. Uh, so uh, I, I do think the Colts get it done. Uh, I, I like what they've done on defense this year. Andrews Luck is now the least sacked quarterback in the league, if you can believe that. Uh, and their defense is playing really good. Uh, I, I just think Tennessee now with the uh, problems, the injuries, and the, you know, Marcus Mariota being dinged up, that they are going to put a lot on Derrick Henry's shoulders because of these outbreak games he's had these past two or three weeks. Uh, I think the Colts are see that. Uh, they're going to be ready for that. And uh, I, I'm not sure with a uh, banged up Marcus Mariota and they can slow down Derrick Henry, uh, what Tennessee is really going to get going to have to be uh, put together in the fourth quarter of this uh, of a game like this. I just think the Colts are going to get it done. And let's talk a little bit about 2018, obviously, of what's happened in the NFL and some of the top stories. One of the, the biggest stories that, that we can – that we can think about is the emergence, if you will, or the appearance of Baker Mayfield and the, and the Cleveland Browns. Say what you are about the Browns. Uh, obviously, they, they are mathematically eliminated, not going to make it. I think Baker Mayfield is playing a little bit of a brat uh, toward uh, uh, their former coach in Cincinnati, but that's neither here nor there. That's a different story. But Baker Mayfield has came on the scene, and one would say him or Barkley is going to be the, the, the rookie of the year. Uh, you got to look at Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns being a top story uh, in the NFL in 2018. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree that, uh, you know, there's, what are they, 7-1, seven, seven and one, I think, going into Baltimore with a chance to uh, play a major spoiler uh, to the Ravens. You know, we saw Antonio Brown, the Pittsburgh Steelers receiver, uh, tweet out, through social media, his New Jersey that added an S to his last name, Browns, uh, because the Steelers need a, a Browns win uh, against the Ravens to keep the Steelers' hopes alive for a playoff spot. Of course, the Steelers have to beat the Bengals, and I, and I think they will. Um, but the Browns have a chance to finish with a winning record, uh, which is really incredible and, you know, really ignite that fan base in the offseason and, uh, and give them a lot to look forward to over, you know, the next few months. Um, so yeah, Baker Mayfield's a huge story. Could be offensive rookie of the year with Barkley. I think I would vote for Barkley uh, at this point. But um, you know, look at the Colts though. Getting back to the Colts, what a great story of the year they've been in the NFL. They started the year yes. one and five, and you know here they are nine and six, right? And with a chance to go to the playoffs. I mean, that that's a, just a terrific story. And you know, Frank Reich, you know, he in my opinion he could be coach of the year. I know there's some other coaches out there. Matt Nagy with the Bears, another great story. You know, the Chicago Bears winning their first division title since 2010. And, you know, nobody thought that was possible going in 
to the season. So that's another great NFL story of the year. But, you know, you look at great coaching jobs this year, and Frank Reich's, uh, you know, he doesn't take a back seat to anybody with, with where the Colts came from at one and five. So, um, you know, just so many great stories in the NFL. Baker Mayfield and the Browns certainly won. But, you know, I, I love that Colts story going from one and five to the brink of the playoffs too. Let's talk a little bit about the Bears and the Vikings. Uh, uh, my my lady is a huge Vikings fan next to uh, next to the Colts. In fact, she's flying up to Minneapolis uh, this afternoon to be with uh, friends uh, for New Year's. But uh, the Vikings can either go in and play. I mean, the Bears could go in and play the Vikings and say, hey, we're just going to rest our starters. If we win, we win. We're going to meet you first game in the playoffs. Or – the Bears decide, hey, you know what? We just totally want to chop the head off of this, these Vikings that are painting our, our side. Uh, we're just going to go in and play full force. If you're the Vikings, how do you prepare for the Bears? Or if you're the Bears, what is your plan for the Vikings? Well, well, two different game plans. The Vikings have to prepare all out. They have to win this game to get in the playoffs. And if you're the Bears, it's kind of a weird situation to be in. Um, you know, they really control who they can play in the first round of the playoffs. Uh depending, of course, on how the Rams and the 49ers game turns out. Uh, you know, I know Nagy has said that they're going to play this game to win, but, you know, if they look up at the at the scoreboard and see the Los Angeles Rams are leading the San Francisco 49ers 20-3 to or something at halftime, uh, I think you're going to see Nagy kind of pull some of his starters out in that second half because if you're Matt Nagy and the Bears, who would you rather play right now? in the first round of the playoffs. Would you rather play the Minnesota Vikings who have really kind of underachieved this year? Kirk Cousins hasn't been what they had hoped he would be uh, when they sign into that, you know, mega contract in the off season, or would you rather face the Philadelphia Eagles who, if they were to win on Sunday, will have won five of their last six games and are, are playing as well as they have all season. And, you know, they have the magic man, Nick Foles at quarterback. So if you're Matt Nagy and the bears and you see the Rams are up, because if the Rams lose to the 49ers, we know that, the Bears with a win could elevate to that number two seed and get a first-round bye, uh, and then that would drop the Rams to the third seed, and they would have to play on that opening weekend of the playoffs. But, you know, what are the odds that the 49ers – I know they've been a tough out lately, but what are the odds that the 49ers going into L.A. Uh, and, and beating the Rams? So, you know, there's going to be some major scoreboard watching in that game. They, they all start at 425, which is a great move by the NFL – so nobody has an advantage or disadvantage knowing the outcome of a score that of a game that may have taken place at one o'clock. Uh, so, uh, you know, if Nagy sees that the Rams are up by a lot, you know, in the first half, or early third quarter, I think he's going to kind of back off, pull his starters, because I think he'd rather play the Vikings too in the opening round of the playoffs rather than the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, the NFL being the NFL, they should have uh, moved it to 420 instead of 425. You see what I did there, Rick? Uh, <laughs> Why do you call me out because of your weed references? <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I didn't want to call Ed out. Somebody had to get my weed reference. I don't smoke weed. I'm not a, I'm not a weed advocate. I'm just saying it's legal in a lot of states, and the NFL uh, seems to have an issue with it, so it would have been funny if they made it 420. So that's my weed reference for the week. Uh, we'll, we'll keep going with that. We'll start, with, uh, Rick, with you with the NFC picture. Obviously, your Lions are in the NFC, uh, uh, not not a uh, component for the, the playoffs, but certainly – had some sparks. You got got to wonder what Patricia is doing. Uh, he, is he a bearded man with a pencil in his ear? Is, is, is he a, a crazy like a fox? You don't know week to week. So talk to us a little bit about your Lions. Obviously, it looks like uh, the Saints are going to represent the NFC right now, and the Super Bowl could be the Rams. I said a long time earlier that it could be the Rams. 
I would like to see the Eagles be there, but I don't see that happening. But let's look let's look at the NFC picture. Uh, your Detroit Lions, uh, Matt Patricia, and what are your thoughts on 2018 in the NFC? Well, Black Monday is actually on New Year's Eve this year, so I think he's really got to be worried because uh, they're not going to fire him after not one year. How? Huh? I said they're not going to uh, fire him I'll after one what, year. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, I want Jim Caldwell back, and I am not the only Lions fan that feels that way. Uh, this is ridiculous. Get rid of a guy that's taking you to the playoffs two of the last three years uh, for for this. And here's another thing too. I'm gonna I will say that's kind of crazy. Uh, I think it's time to start looking into letting Matt Stafford go. I know he's got a huge contract, and it's not going to happen this year, maybe even next year. But in a couple seasons from now, you really got to start looking at. Uh, doing something different because uh, I do like Stafford. He's, he's a great arm talent. He's a huge arm. You know, probably the biggest arm uh, other than Mahomes maybe now. It's, but he uh, he's going to be nothing more than a team that can possibly get you to the playoffs. And I don't know if it's coaching around him also is the problem. And, and, and he's got to be shoulder a lot of this blame because he's he's been there long enough now and it's still not getting done. So, that's my line's take. Uh, I, I'm all in on getting rid of Patricia after this year, and now I'm also becoming getting on board to start looking at Matt Stafford as well. That, you know, that he brings up a good point as far as Black Monday uh, this year. We always talk about Black Monday. Uh, who's on the hot seat who's not? I, I don't see the Lions or any team firing a, a coach after one year. I don't know that there's even a precedent for that. Uh, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it would be hard for them to fire Matt Patricia at this point. They kind of locked into him. But you're right, I, you know, he just hasn't gotten the job done. You bring in a, a first-year coach to a team that had done pretty well under Jim Caldwell, and you're sitting at 5-10 and 10 heading into their last game. Um, you know, with Matt Stafford and the offense really kind of bogged down in the mud, I don't think they've scored more than 20 points in five straight games. And could be a product of coaching, their offensive coordinator maybe, uh, maybe replace him. And, and you stick with Patricia and you hope that, you know, he can do some things with that defense. And then Matt Stafford's got that albatross contract uh, that's going to pay him a lot of money over the next uh, four or five seasons that he signed. Um, good quarterbacks are awfully hard to find. I know that's not a reason to keep him if you don't think he's the answer. But, you know, when you move on from a quarterback, you really have to be sure that you have somebody that can kind of uh, step in. Uh, and, and assume that role. Now, you know, Teddy Bridgewater could be a free agent. He's going to start with the Saints uh, on Sunday because that game means nothing, so Drew Brees is going to take a seat. We already talked about Nick Foles possibly being available. Maybe they look at him, but um, you, you have to be careful when you move on from a, a guy that you thought was your franchise quarterback and paid a lot of money to. You have to kind of have a good plan in place. Um, but Matt Black Monday, I mean, there's plenty of coaches that could go. You, you know, you look at uh, Arizona. And maybe there's a precedent there. I think Steve Wilkes uh, is on the hot seat. They just hired him last year, and he may not be back. And, you know, Dirk Cutter down in Tampa Bay, um, you know, they're still playing pretty hard in Tampa Bay. But, you know, they, three years, they still haven't made the playoffs. They, they haven't made the playoffs in 14 years, Tampa Bay. So, you know, Dirk Cutter could be gone. You know, I, I look at a guy in Carolina, I think that, you know, he's he's safe. I think I saw a story where he's safe. But Ron Rivera, you know, they're sitting – the Panthers are 6-2 and two at one point, and you've lost seven in a row. I don't I don't know how you bring it back a coach who's lost seven games in a row. I know he's had a good tra- track record of success down there. But, uh, you know, the Panthers had everything going for them, and then they just kind of hit the wall and they haven't won a game in two months. So, 
uh, you know, possibly him. And then, you know, the AFC, you look at Todd Bowles with the New York Jets. I think he's probably going to go. Um, they might bring in an offensive coach to kind of, uh, you know, build up Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, I, and I can't think of anybody else right now in the AFC, but I'm sure there's some Marvin Lewis. Of course, we mention his name every year with the Bengals. He, you know, he seems to have pictures of somebody in Cincinnati because he always keeps his job. So, um, there, there'll be some coaches let go. There always are. There could be, you know, it could be as many as five or six that lose their job on Monday. Here's a scenario for you, and we talked about this last week with Superfan Adam uh, of the of the Browns. His, his thoughts are that Ty moves into the head coach position in Cincinnati, and, and Marvin Lewis moves up to to the front office. That seems like a stupid scenario to me, but a most reality type scenario, if you will. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Marvin Lewis likes Andy Dalton. I mean, maybe it's time to move on from Andy Dalton too. So if you elevate Marvin Lewis to the front office position, uh, that would certainly make Andy Dalton feel pretty good because Lewis loves that guy. And maybe it's time for the Bengals to move on at quarterback and uh, get rid of Andy Dalton. You know, again, maybe Nick Foles or Teddy Bridgewater. And you know, I know there's some other quarterbacks that probably I can't think of off the top of my head that might be available uh, in this off season. But uh, yeah, I would be curious. I think if you're the Bengals. Uh, their their track record of success not real good. I don't know how you keep Marvin Lewis around at all. You probably need a fresh start there in Cincinnati. So let's talk a little bit about Jacksonville. Tom Coughlin fire if he fires the the head coach, can he hire himself? <laughs> I guess he could. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, I don't know if he wants to. Uh, you know, he's hey, seventy that, plus that years old. Uh, the Brady Rule or or not? Uh, what, what, the, what, what rule is that, the Brady rule? Oh, I've got the rule confused in, in my mind. But I, I thought there was a rule that that pre- would prevent that from happening. So that's that was what was in my mind. Oh, so yeah. My, I, I, don't, I don't know if there is or not. I mean, I, you know, Tom Coughlin used to coach, did a good job. I mean, I, I don't think he would. I don't, you know, I don't know if he'd want to put himself back out there. And he probably does miss it. Um, but uh, I think he would probably want to try to bring in somebody different. I don't know if the owner would let him let that happen. So um, I don't know. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they move on from uh, uh, who is it? Doug Marone down there in Jacksonville. Uh, he, he could be gone. Uh, certainly, I, Jacksonville was one of my picks to get to the Super Bowl at the start of the year to play the Rams. So uh, you know, we all see how that turned out. But Jacksonville can do Indianapolis and Tennessee a big favor if they find a way to beat Houston on Sunday. Well, heck yeah, heck yeah. Rick Reagan, let's get some final thoughts from you as we move into the AFC. Obviously, we want to see what happens with the AFC South, but uh, certainly the Chiefs, you got to look at uh, having a stronghold there. Here we go again. We're talking about the New England Patriots, and, and, and they still haven't eliminated themselves, and, and there is a mathematical formula that still says that the Super Bowl and the AFC can, can come through uh, New England. I, I I hope that's not the case, but I'm I'm – I'm on board with Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes is an MVP uh, guy in the conversation that you've got to be talking about, uh, certainly if, if not the MVP. But what are your thoughts, Rick, on the AFC? Well, I just want to uh, just throw everything out there about the NFC because we were talking about uh, Black Monday, and I want to look at the other side, the opposite of that, which coaches actually get hired. And I have pretty much convinced myself that Jim Caldwell is going to be the next head coach of the Packers. And if you look at what his history with quarterbacks, he's one of the most uh, respected coaches in the league as far as quarterbacks go. Uh, he's a respected coach anyway, very likable guy. Uh, coach anybody up. I just think 
with who the quarterback is in Green Bay and bringing in Jim Caldwell is actually a perfect fit. And I, I have convinced myself that Jim Caldwell is going to be the next head coach of the Packers. And, I mean, you well, heard anything about that? Any thoughts on that? And I know, Ed, uh, well, on that as well, I know I texted you as well as there. They inter- they interviewed Trick Pagano as well for that that position. And just to throw in a co- another Colts connection to the Green Bay Packers, Pat McAfee will be in the broadcast booth uh, in the Packers game uh, this weekend. But go ahead, Ed. Well, I mean, you know, Matt Stafford earned his big contract with Jim Caldwell as his coach. So, you know, he's got a good track record with quarterbacks. And I, and you know, to me, you guys know how I feel about hiring a defensive coordinator to be a head coach. I just don't. I don't like that move. I, you know, I know it's kind of prejudiced against defensive coordinators, but, but I just think that in this league, in this day and age, trending with the offense, I think you need to bring in a, an offensive mind and then hire a good defensive coordinator. But I think you need an offensive mind. And, uh, you know, Jim Caldwell showed the ability to get the best out of Matthew Stafford. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is, I think, 35 years old. I mean, how many more years does he have left? Uh, to play so really you know maybe three years you have to bring somebody in that can work well with Aaron Rodgers for the final three years or so of his career Uh, and maybe Jim Caldwell's that guy it's not it's not really out of uh, you know that that far-fetched Rick I kind of like that that thought well guys let's get our our final uh, thoughts if you will we got about uh, we got about uh, five minutes left on the clock we'll start with you Rick uh, I know that we, we kind of went through your list, and that was LeBron going to L.A. Uh, I don't have your list here in front of me. There was the, the, the Tua coming in in the second half. Uh, there was a 16 beat in number one seed. Uh, there was Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson uh, doing a, a uh, one-on-one match, uh, if you will. What other uh, top team stories do you have for us? Is that for me or for Ed? I'm sorry. No, oh. it's for you, Rick. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, well, like I said earlier, we was talking with Matt Hicks and Walt Ferber. Uh, uh, my top uh, story 2018 kicks off at 3 o'clock today. So, you know, I've been a nervous wreck for about three weeks about this game coming up. And uh, yeah, that's, that's where all my focus is today. So it's 3 o'clock. That 3 o'clock kickoff, you know, central time here. Uh, that's what my head's uh, wrapped around right now. Uh, game. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna be tuned in to it as well. Ed, what are your uh, final thoughts as far as the top 2018 uh, stories in the NFL? Or it doesn't have to necessarily be in the NFL. Yeah, no. Notre Dame's a good top story of 2018 for sure. And you wonder about Brian Kelly. Is he going to jump ship for the NFL uh, after the season he has? I don't know if there's a lot of buzz in that direction, but. It could happen. Um, my top story, of course. I, yeah, and I, I've, I've heard those rumors, but I can't see it happening. I think Lincoln Riley would be the guy from college, or maybe even David yeah, Shaw could, before Brian Kelly. But Yeah, David Shaw never wants to leave Stanford, though. He, right. he loves it out there at Stanford. So I don't think he'll go to Lincoln Riley. Uh, you know, he, he certainly could be. But, hey, maybe there's two guys, or maybe Urban Meyer. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's certainly yeah, some maybe. good <laughs> candidates. He's got a new job every candidates. week. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, but uh, my top story, guys, is just it's a no-brainer is the Eagles, the improbable run to the Super Bowl. It's not a homer or a bias pick. I just think it is, you know, with, with Nick Foles being the MVP. I, I don't know how you get any better uh, than that. Three games as the underdog. They beat Tom Brady. They slayed that giant. 
uh, in the Super Bowl, and it was just a terrific story of the year. I love that number 16, UMBC beating the number one seed, University of Virginia, first time that ever happened in the NCAA tournament. Love that. Uh, here locally in Philadelphia, Villanova winning two out of the last three national championships is certainly a big story. Um, you know, and then, like we mentioned in the NFL, I think that Frank Reich, that one in five Colts story, uh, getting them to this point where it's win and they're in with a young team, a new coach, believing in the message. I, I love that story in the NFL, and I like the Bears' elevation uh, to winning the NFC uh, North as well. Nobody expected that. I know they traded for Khalil Mack, kind of tilted the field in their favor, but, you know, still Matt Nagy coming in uh, and doing what he did with the Chicago Bears and taking them to the title and possibly could be one of those dark horse teams in the NFC that could make a run and get to the championship game or the Super Bowl. So, you know, those are, you know, those are the two top stories in my opinion. I know we talked about Baker Mayfield, but I probably put him a little, you know, maybe the Browns third right now at this point, maybe next year, the Browns are the feel good story when they get to the playoffs. But I just like a one in five team winning whatever it is to get to nine and six, I guess they go eight and eight and, won over the last night. I mean, it's just amazing uh, turn of events for the Colts this season. Does Kansas City uh, get represented in the Super Bowl this year? And does Patrick Mahomes get the MVP? Yeah, I think Mahomes is the MVP. But then look at who the coach of the Chiefs is, Andy Reid. They always seem to come up small, unfortunately. I like Andy, good guy. But you, you kind of seen the Chiefs uh, defense exposed. They lose Kareem Hunt, that offense is uh, probably averaging a touchdown less than what they did with Kareem Hunt around. Uh, and the inability to stay on the field uh, for very long stretches has exposed that defense. That's a big weakness for the Chiefs. I think the AFC is wide open. I don't think the Patriots will be that team. I'm not sure the Chiefs will either. I think that uh, representation in the Super Bowl is going to come from the Los Angeles Chargers. Guys, we've only got about a minute left. So, Rick Reagan, give us your words of wisdom going into 2019. Yeah, uh, for me, Drew Brees probably going to win the MVP award, but me personally, I think it should go to a defensive guy because we have not seen a defensive player impact games the way Khalil Mack has uh, since, like, maybe Reggie White or Lawrence Taylor, those guys, a long time ago. So what he's done this year is impressive. For me, uh, the season MVP award should go to Khalil Mack. It's an offensive award, but that's my words of wisdom. Let the defensive guys have their day. Khalil Mack is the MVP. Ed, what is your words of wisdom? Take us into 2019 being smarter and wiser. <laughs> I love words of wisdom with Khalil Mack. It's a great uh, outside-the-box thought. You could say the same thing for 